Welcome to the Ask the 401k Experts podcast, where you get strategies, resources, and best practices for growing a successful and compliant 401k practice. And now, here's your host, Sharon Pivarato. Well, welcome everyone. Today, I'm really excited to have five of our expert panelists on with me today to talk about the importance of training for plan sponsors. On this episode of Ask the 401k Experts, you'll hear from Jason Roberts, CEO at Pension Resource Institute, Mario Giganti, Principal at Cornerstone Capital Advisors, Sherry Fitz, founder of Shoe Fitz Marketing, as well as James Watkins, CEO at InvestSense, and Chip Hardy, Senior ERISA Consultant at Fine Trust Investment Advisors. So panelists, here's the question that a reader recently submitted to the blog, and I'll give you each an opportunity to share your response. The question is this, how important is fiduciary education for retirement committee members? And what resources are you using or would you recommend advisors look at for educating committee members? Chip, let's start with you. I think it's a great question, great topic, and I do think it is, is very important uh, fiduciary education for the committee members that you're working with. Um, they, they can't go into it blindly. They really need to be educated. They need to understand what it means to be a fiduciary and what fiduciary roles and responsibilities are. I've talked to lots of different committees over the years that think that their record keeper, whether it be a big name or a small name, is a fiduciary. And have to, they get kind of shocked when you explain to them, no, they're ministerial in nature taking direction from you as a committee or the trustees or whomever. Um, so they need to be educated about their own roles, responsibilities, and liabilities, as well as those of the other service providers that may or may not be serving in a fiduciary capacity by the strictest sense of the law. So I do think it's very important. And the good news is there's a lot of free education out there, free resources to use uh, that are available to advisors to use to consult with their committee. And it can be something right off the DOL um, EBSA website. They have a couple of different questionnaires and pamphlets and brochures and things that I've used in the past either to educate myself or to, you, you frankly, you can order them online and the government will send them to you or pick them up at a conference or whatever, multiple copies and you can give them out with your committee and use those. So you really don't have to create your own custom presentation. You can do that, of course, but you don't have to if you're just trying to get started or have some basic knowledge. You can use things that the Department of Labor has readily available to you. Another place that has great resources is if you, as an advisor, are an AIF or an AIFA designee or anything else where you have access to FI 360's tools and resources. And I know, Sharon, you work for them, but I don't mean that to, that's not a shameless plug. That is true that they're an industry leader in fiduciary education with the different books they've published, the different template documents they have on their website that I've used in the past for committee charters, investment policy statements, indemnification letters, etc. that all follow fall under the guise of fiduciary governance for committees. So they're a great resource, and I would highly recommend using them as well. 
The last thing I might say is that there are certain providers, mutual fund providers, or even record-keeping providers that will um, offer information. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's good information. I'm not going to name any specifically, but you just have to be careful that it's completely independent and, and comprehensive and not self-serving to whatever their purpose may be. So we personally tend to shy away from things that have other people's labels on them other than an industry independent um, industry steward like FI360 or obviously like the Department of Labor. But there are some resources you can get from some of your wholesaling partners. Thanks, Chip. And I definitely agree. I think independent fiduciary education material is the most well-received, um, considered objective material for, for educating plan sponsors. Um, but just to throw this in there, I, th I think for those of you listening, if your client has, say, American funds, then using the material that they provide, I think, just reinforces the value of that particular provider for that particular client. If your client already has that um, provider's funds or uses that particular provider. So that would certainly be appropriate to use um, instead of the, the independent material. But um, great stuff. Thanks, Chip. Miss Sherry Fitz, looking at it from a different angle, I'd love to get your thoughts on the importance of fiduciary education and what resources you might be aware of that advisors could use. Well, as a new plan sponsor myself, I am thrilled that I know what I know about the financial services marketplace and specifically about the fiduciary risk I'm taking on as a plan sponsor. And I think that it's real critical to educate committee members and potential committee members as to their fiduciary responsibilities. I think um, I remember going to a union event, a huge union event in Las Vegas one year, and most of the union members were on the various, you know, defined benefit plan committees, and um, it was just a junket for them. So, so that's quite scary when you think about it because there's personal responsibility at risk. So. I think, obviously, I'm, I'm a big supporter of education of plant sponsors and everyone else in the industry. So what, what we've done, actually, at ShoeFits is we've packaged up a fiduciary um, kind of like little guide along with a presentation training thing, and we've licensed that to a couple different organizations. And so what, we, what we've done is we've done... Um, a 60-minute presentation. Then we also have checklists and whatnot. And I think the thing that's helpful about that is at least what I coach advisors to do is um, not only use that for current clients, but then also use that for prospective clients. Because why not? If you're going to learn it to train your current clients, why not use it to train your prospective clients? You're doing a service to the community. The only thing is, I don't want people to go to the dark side and use this as a way to kind of rattle the cages of plant sponsors and, and um, use fear to motivate them. I'm not a big proponent of that. So I would just say in marketing the fiduciary presentation, more like um, have a perspective of helping educate these people and help them run a healthier, better, um, you know, more optimized 
401k plan and don't go to the dark side and being scared, you know, doing the scary stuff. Because cortisol never motivates anyone. Now, isn't that the truth? Uh, thank you, Sherry. And folks, if you caught that, or maybe if you missed that, Sherry indicated that she has a fiduciary guide and presentation that she's licensed to advisors to use in the past. So don't be surprised, Sherry, if you get a few inquiries, especially if that's something you're willing to let others leverage. Okay, next up, Mr. James Watkins. What are your thoughts on this topic? Is providing fiduciary education important? Providing education for retirement committees uh, and retirement investment committees is more important than ever. Um, first, from a marketing perspective, it allows the 401k professional to show and establish their value-added proposition to demonstrate to a plan and the investment committee that they're more than just a means to an end. The education requirement is even more important now because of the definite trends we're seeing in the industry. Since the LaRue decision in 2008, we've seen a definite trend on behalf of both the court and the regulatory bodies to take more of a role in protecting investors and plan participants. 2015 is going to be a key year and provides an excellent opportunity for education. I couldn't agree more, especially in light of the highly publicized Tibble versus Edison International case, as well as the DOL fiduciary proposal. Thank you, James. Mario, as an adjunct instructor for FI360's accredited investment fiduciary analyst program, what are your thoughts on getting this important fiduciary training down to the plan sponsor level? I think every fiduciary should have a, a general understanding of what their duties are. Uh, I, obviously, they have some personal liability associated with making those decisions, and, and they definitely need to know and understand what they're getting themselves into. Um, at Cornerstone, we try to stress initially and ongoing what, what their specific duties are, uh, the duties to monitor, and the actual role that we play as their prudent expert in advising them. Where we actually have discretion with clients, we're not only actually meeting with them annually or semi-annually, but we're trying to consistently remind them of how they should monitor us, how they should monitor the different parties of the plan, and uh, providing them checklists to, to, to do so. Uh, and then, you know, with regards to resources, you know, again, we, we try to be their primary resource, but the Prudent Investment Practices for Investment Stewards Handbook is something that we will give out to investment committee members, particularly new members, as they come on board and when we're introduced to a new, new relationship. Uh, we usually refer them to the FI360 website and uh, have them sign up for blo the blogs. And then obviously um, some of the information uh, written by folks like Fred Reich, even the DOL uh, Fiduciary Duty Duties Handbook um, and Resource Guide, uh, something we're, we're handing out this quarter as we talk about investment committee uh, education and training. Thank you, Mario. Great practical advice. And that's the second time on today's podcast I've heard of using FI360's resources for education. I, I agree. They are one of my favorite sources of valuable fiduciary resources. So um, last but by no means least, Jason Roberts, I am curious to hear how an ERISA attorney would answer this question. How important is fiduciary education for retirement committee members? And what resources are you using or would you recommend advisors look at for educating committee members? 
Well, Sharon, I think this is uh, the, the form of the question, and the lawyer in me wants to kind of pick it apart. So I guess I would first say that the question presupposes there is a committee. And so that's kind of a soapbox item of ours. I think that uh, the obvious answer is it's very important, but I think that um, to really execute on what it is they're, they're learning in that fiduciary education, a committee is, is critical. And so a lot of times the type of education that we're um, encouraging advisors to look into actually has some form of uh, best practices for structuring a committee in the first place to then figure out what is it, what, what are the educational goals and what are the resources we're going to use to educate that committee. And so just, you know, building on that just briefly here, what I would say is we found that a committee, a lot of times the small company will resist a committee structure. It seems too for, uh, formalized and maybe overly onerous when it's actually the exact opposite that is true. Um, that the small plan benefits the most from a committee and sort of being able to share the resources where the small business owner may be wearing 10 hats, there are likely other people in the firm that have uh, maybe a better skill set to liaison with the advisor and the service providers and, and likely have more time than that business owner who may be the, the sole fiduciary on that plan. Uh, but these other committee members could participate in a non-voting capacity and and really facilitate information gathering and analysis and work with the advisor, consultant, uh, even some of the relationship managers of the TPA and record keeper to then package information from which though the fiduciary could make a better informed decision. That makes sense. What about resources, Jason? What resources would you recommend advisors look at for education material? Well, I think to me the 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 first and obvious answer here would be we let's go straight to the horse's mouth. If we want to know what a best practice is, let's look and see what the DOL or or IRS is telling us is is a best practice. So we really start with um, whether it's educating advisors at PRI, which is our primary clientele there as advisors, or we educate plan sponsors directly in a lot of cases through our law firm at Retirement Law Group. And we always do start with the governmental resources. And a lot of times that's just a handout or providing them a link to say, you know, everything that we're going to tell you and build from, you know, here is, here is the actual regulator telling you this. We didn't make this stuff up. Um, you know, it's, it's grounded in the rules, and if you really want to link it back and, and, and dig into those rules, you know, here is the, the governmental source for that. Now, what we found is a lot of times, you know, a governmental resource take meeting your fiduciary responsibilities, sort of the seminal DOL publication for uh, planned sponsors in terms of what the DOL expects. Well, to me, that, uh, that resource is somewhat similar to a white paper, that by the time the fiduciary gets all the way through it, or the committee member or, or whomever, they're probably glazed over. And when it comes time to actually execute on one of those duties or those decision points down the road, they may have forgotten what they read in the voluminous uh, resource or a white paper or something of that nature. So what we've done is really compartmentalized the training, and we've set it up uh, in a modular approach. And we use a, a tool or sort of a foundation we call GMAP, and that's Governance Model Administrative Procedures. And we really built that for plan sponsors that we were working with at our law firm that needed some help with just constructing a framework. We don't get in there. We always tell them, hey, we 
we don't do what that advisor does. You need to find a good advisor who can who can um, do the day-to-day -day here, but we'll help you map out a strategy for process and governance and document retention and so forth. And then from there, all of the materials we've found are better digested and more actionable if we present them in a modular approach. So we're not trying to educate a fiduciary soup to nuts on day one. We're going to pick out a subject like selection and monitoring of service providers and give them the education and the tools and materials to, um, to execute on that aspect of plan governance where then, you know, the next quarter at the next meeting we may educate them on administration and reporting or investment selection and monitoring. So uh, I would say that apart from our proprietary materials, um, I would recommend advisors really look to something that's more modular uh, that they can convey to their plan sponsor who's more likely to digest it and be able to execute on it. So Jason, then if somebody wanted to use something other than what's on the DOL website, could they come to your firm? Do you license that material for individual advisors by any chance? Sure. The way it works today, actually on, our, on the committee governance and, and fiduciary education, we have a couple of different uh, ways that we, we support advisors. Uh, number one is through the GMAP materials that are available through our proprietary advisor resource center, uh, portal.pension-resources.com, and they can actually sign up for an annual subscription to use the fiduciary education materials, the training, the videos, the ancillary materials that are available on that site. Um, the second way we support the fiduciary education and the plan governance services, again, for advisors is with an online version. We call it GMAP Plus, so Governance Model Administrative Procedures Plus, and that is a cloud-based tool that will not only uh, allow the advisor and the plan sponsor and the service providers to bank various documents and information in the system, it actually has a script that the plan fiduciaries would follow, so it gives them that administrative procedure to make, uh, to gather information, make decisions, take notes right into the system so that if they're later asked by DOL or IRS or uh, even a potential plaintiff uh, to produce certain documents and information, they can always go back into the system, know where that is, and, and uh, you know, download the, the information they need from that tool. That's available to um, advisors, TPAs, and so forth that, um, that may or may not have another relationship with PRI or Retirement Law Group. Thank you, Jason. It sounds like you really have a lot of fiduciary resources available to advisors on your site. I'll be sure to post a link in the podcast description on the blog so folks know how to find you for more information. I want to thank all of my expert panelists for taking the time to join us today and share valuable perspectives, and to you for listening. If you have any questions that you'd like to pose to the panel, be sure to send them to me either via email or using the SpeakPipe recorder on the blog. And if you want more resources, strategies, and best practices for growing a successful 401k practice, be sure to subscribe to the Ask the Experts podcast in iTunes so you don't miss out on new ideas from future conversations. Then be sure to visit the main site, 401kbestpractices.com. When you enter your email address to join the 401k Best Practice community, you'll get access to my most advanced strategies and resources to grow and protect your 401k business. Again, that's 401kbestpractices.com.